Show of hands, how many of you have a countdown calendar in your house right now for Christmas? How many of you have more than one? I see those hands. You're like, you have 10? <laughs> Y'all ready? It's three days away. We're so close now. So, so close. Um, we've been doing this series called Let It Snow, and this is week four. It has been a blast. Like our creative team, every week they have upped the game. I have just loved, loved, loved it. So let's just recap quickly, and then we'll jump into today. Week one, we talked about how snow, mercy, mercy falls, and mercy has this transforming quality, right? We talked about my ugly yard, and I love when it snows because it covers up that yard. Um, but, but what does mercy do that snow doesn't? Mercy transforms, right? So the snow covers my ugly yard, but then... It melts, and my yard is still ugly, but mercy from God transforms us. So that first week we said that there's snow much transformation. There have been snow many snow puns. It has been, like we're all praying for an end to this series just because of that, right? Snow much transformation. And then in week two, I'm going to test you. I believe you can do better than a 9 o'clock service. Because nobody in the 9 o'clock service got this right. So I'm counting on at least one of you, okay? In week two, we talked about the mercy of God. And I said that mercy attracts people. I got one. I got one. So you were 100% better than the first service. It's fantastic. Mercy attracts people. And I bet you'll get this next part right. But it attracts people who need mercy, right? And so we talked about there is so much mercy, right? It attracts people. Last week... We talked about um, how mercy allows us to show generosity. How much generosity? Right, snow much generosity, right? Um, And listen, can I just say this? Last week, we did our big give. And to this, to this, to date, the the biggest big give we've ever had was just over $4,300. And last week, you gave over $10,000 to the big give. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and so we, we've, been, um, we've got these teams at our church. One of our teams is the accounting team. So I don't know if you've ever stopped to think, like, what happens when we, give, when we give an offering? Some people probably think that I go get the money and go out to lunch, but that's not what happens with the money. I don't, I don't have anything to do with the money. So we have a team that grabs that, and they count it, and make sure it gets to the bank and all that stuff. And, you know, last week they were here until 2.15, counting the money that you guys gave. And if you're a part of that counting team, I just want to say, hey, thank you for the way you serve. We love that. We love that. Then we have another team. It's the missions team. And so um, I'm going to make it sound like it's a lot of work, and it is a lot of work, but I I know that you love this week. So they are the ones now that are giving away all the money that you gave because, you know, 100% of that is going to go away. We we got to pay 28 people's power... 29 people's power bills, 29 power bills for families. We love that. And then we found out that we actually had enough to do even more with other things and other nonprofits just because of the way that you gave. So when we give, when we have mercy, we show generosity. There's so much generosity. Now today, um, how many of you, I'm just, just a quick poll, how many of you um, aren't done with your shopping? Raise your hand. You're not done with your shopping, Okay. Okay, how many of you are married to somebody who's not done with their shopping? Just curious about that, right? Um, And then here's another one for you. How many of you are expecting people, family, to visit you at your house, and your house is not quite ready for them to get here? You've you've got a little bit of cleaning to do, okay? All right. What? (laughs) The, The point here is, it's crazy 
it's crazy how, how hectic it can get during a season that's about peace, isn't it? Like we start to get busy and frantic and some of us are, um, we're like still like doing last minute shopping and we're hoping that we can get overnight shipping. Like we've got decorations still to put up. We've got to clean the house. There's a lot going on. And so this morning, what I want to do in this last Sunday before Christmas, this week four of the Let It Snow series is I want everybody to just take a deep breath and just relax and exhale. I want us just to go back to the simplicity of the gospel. For just a few minutes. The gospel is really simple, y'all. How simple is it? Snow simple. <laughs> the gospel is snow simple. And it's found in one simple verse in the Bible. I bet you've heard it before. I think it was read as we did the candles in John 3.16. And here's what it says. It'll be on the screens for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Y'all, that's the gospel. And it is so simple. And this morning, I just want us to take a few minutes and talk about the simplicity of the gospel message. Now, I'm a big package person. Like, I like big gifts. Wendy knows this. I would love for you to give me a small present, but wrap it in a humongous box. I just love big boxes, you know? And so like, um, even growing up, the way our family did it was nobody put gifts under the tree until Christmas Eve. And then we would all go out. Um, I think it was like youngest, oldest, or I can't remember the order, but we'd go out one at a time and we had to close their eyes. They'd, the person would bring in the gifts that they had for the family and we put them under the tree. We'd ring the, the bell. So every time you open your eyes, there's more gifts, right? We love that. And after everybody had done that, of course, I'm the one that's kind of like over there, kind of like looking at all the bags and I see a big one. I'm checking to see who it's for. And how do I know who that present's for? Something would go on that present called a tag, right? And the tag, what did the tag do? What was the purpose of a tag? To tell you who it's from and who it's for. And what I want you to see this morning is that John 3.16 is God's tag. That's the way he identifies the gift and who it's for. We know from this this is the beginning. We already know who this gift is from. It's from God. For God so loved the world. And it's for who? It's for the world. Right? And I don't want you to miss the tag this morning. We miss a lot of things at Christmas time because it gets crazy and busy. I don't want you to miss the tag. I want you to see clearly from John 3.16 that this is a gift that God gave to the world. It says that Whoever believes. Can we just camp out on that word whoever for a second? Not, it's not for the people who voted right. Because the people who voted right voted like you, and the people who didn't vote right didn't vote like you. All right? it's, not, it's not for people that cheer for the right team. It's not for people that go to the right church. It's not for rich people. It's not for poor people. It's for all people. The gift has been given to the world so that whoever believes... And what that means is, this gift has been given to the person next to you. Because they really need it, don't they? And also to you. Yeah. It's been given to all of us. Listen, don't miss the tag. Sometimes we think that God plays around like me. I have been known to wrap presents and not say who they're for. Just put them under the tree. I know who they're for because I wrapped it, unless I forget. 
And then it's like, <laughs> I think it's for you. <laughs> we'll find out. Sometimes we think God's like that. Like he just doesn't want to identify who he is. But that's not the case. He says clearly right here. He took out a big Christmas tag and it says, from God for the world. John 3, 16. This is his tag. And it got me thinking, this is not a trick question. Um, how many of you would agree that the gift that God has given us is a good gift? Show of hands. Yes. Would you agree? I think it's a good gift. I started asking myself, if we know that the gift is good and we know it's from God, why don't people open the gift? Why would we not just receive the gift and, and open? Why, why wouldn't we do that? And, and you know what? The answer is in a really, really obscure, crazy story in the Old Testament. It's found in Numbers 21. And we're going to just read it for a second. And here's what's going on in this, in this story. The people of God are on their journey towards the promised land, okay? And so um, what happens, number 20, verse, verse 4, here's what it says. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey. And people get tired on long journeys. Do I have any parents in the house who can relate to this on a road trip? Right? What we're fixing to read is the version in the Bible of what your kids do on road trips when they're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And you're like, no, no, no. And before you take a deep breath, they're asking, are we there yet? And this is what it says, right? They grew impatient with the long journey. They began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There's nothing to eat here. There's nothing to drink. We hate this horrible manna. So the Lord... huh? The Lord provided an answer, and I think we have video footage of the answer. Can we play that? So, I, yes, snow many snakes. I hate snakes. I know that I'm in the South, and that some of y'all are, are like farmers, and you live on the land, off the land, whatever. I get it. So, like, if I were to post a picture on Facebook of a snake and say, what kind of snake is this, some of y'all would tell me a good one. 
And I believe the only good one is a dead one. <laughs> and then you would tell me about how that one snake's going to help take care of my mice problem. Because I don't like mice either. But I don't care if the snake can take care of the mice. I'm just going to take care of both of them, right? There's no good snake. I cannot stand snakes. I remember one time growing up, we, y'all, y'all know what a station wagon is? Okay, so there, there, were, there was the, the two-tone station wagon. Like, you know, you had like the panel stuff. And then even before the two-tone, that was in our, we called that the dragon wagon in our family. Before the dragon wagon, we had this green station wagon. It was like the wide body, like big butt station wagon. It was huge. And I remember sitting in the driveway watching a snake crawl up the exhaust pipe of that station wagon. We never saw it come out. We never quite knew where it went. We didn't want to ride in the car, right? Like, I, still to this day, I will have dreams of driving and seeing a snake like pop in, in, in its steering wheels. Like, I just cannot stand snakes. I went up in our attic one time. Like, I have this, like, you have to pull the ladder down, and I crawled up the ladder, and you have to get up, kind of get your head up into the into the, the attic and then turn the light on so you can kind of see what's going on. I remember crawling up the ladder, turning and the light on, and when I turned back, it was right there. It's a snake skin, y'all. Be careful. It's okay. But it was a snake skin, and it was huge, and it was intact, and I almost put our house on the market. <laughs> I don't like snakes. I'm like Indiana Jones. Like, why did it have to be snakes? But that's what God did. Verse 6 says that God... He released these poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten, and many died. And then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. Good prayer. So Moses prayed for the people. Some of y'all are like, nah, they should have prayed against all the ones that weren't black snakes. Pray against all of them, right? The the Bible equates snakes with Satan, so they're not good, right? Get rid of them. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said, he told them, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who were bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze, attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's weird. That's a weird story, y'all. There's no way around it. What I want us to get out of this story is that the gospel is simple. We try to make the gospel complicated, right? As a matter of fact, we just read it. One of the verses in here says, God said that people will be healed if they simply look at it. It got me thinking, there could have been people in that camp that were bitten by snakes and then died when there was actually healing available. Because they just simply wouldn't look at the snake. Don't we make this hard? We make it complicated. Like if you really want to serve Jesus, you got to jump through all these hoops. And what God's saying is if you're sick, if you've been bitten by a snake and you want healing, just simply look at that. I don't want you to miss the tag. I also don't want you to miss, I don't want you to miss the tree. What I want you to see here is like that's a weird story, but it's more than just about poles and snakes. If you go back to John 3, that verse that we read that most of us memorized when we were kids. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not die but have everlasting life. 
The verses right before that, here's what it says in verses 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So Jesus is referencing the story that we just read, that weird story about snakes and poles, right? He says, just as Moses did that, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Listen, what you need to see is that that story in the Old Testament was a foreshadowing of the cross. And nobody likes to talk like this, right? Because we're all about Christmas cards and cookies, and I'm, I'm with you, right? It's so festive and warm. But we wouldn't be celebrating Christmas if we hadn't sinned. It's our sin that created this occasion. Because God sent a gift to us to save us from our sins. We have to understand that. The Christmas season actually points to the cross. If it doesn't point to the cross, then we're missing the tree. We're busy with a lot of stuff. And isn't it funny in that story, they had all these snakes going around. Um, have you ever tried to manage the distractions in your life? If I could just maybe buy some Tupperware, right? If I could just maybe be more efficient. If I, if I use my time better. We try to manage sin, right? I'm not making light of sin, right? But we'd say things like, I only, I only cussed three people out this past week. Well, if that's an improvement, how, what's normal? You know, a uh, hundred, everybody I meet, <laughs> whatever. I mean, we, whatever we struggle with, we'll start to say things like, I only did it this many times. And I'm not saying that like in a religious way, like you should like earn your salvation. What I want you to see is we tend to manage our sin. God did not give them more wisdom so they could figure out how to get rid of snakes. Do you know how I've tried to get rid of snakes before? This is crazy. I've used brooms. I know. Like, who thinks that sweeping snakes is a good idea? Me, because I hate them. I'm just like, get out of here. You know, like I, we've like, had snakes in the house, and I don't want to grab that thing. I'm more likely to open the door and go, this way, you know? <laughs> we try to manage our sin, y'all. And the gospel is more simple than that. It's complicated to manage sin. It's really easy to be forgiven of it. Simply look at the tree. Don't miss the cross this Christmas. We, we miss the cross. And if we miss the cross, we miss it all. That brings us to the last thing that I don't, I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss the gift. It's not just about the cross. It's also about the Son of Man on the cross. Listen to the big idea. Listen closely to the wording. This Christmas, don't miss the gift on the tree. I know you're going to see a lot of gifts under the tree. Some of you will have more than others. But I don't want you to miss the gift on the tree. We can, get, we can become so focused on everything under it that we miss the point. And the point was that we needed a Savior. And God in His mercy sent His Son to pay the price for our sin. I don't want you to miss that. Quick little story. January the 6th, 1850, a snowstorm almost crippled the city of Cochester, England. And a teenage boy was unable to get to the church he usually attended. I know parents of teenagers, you're like, the teenage boy was trying to get to church? Wow. It gets better. Hold on, right? So because he couldn't get to church, he found his way to a nearby primitive Methodist chapel where an ill-prepared layman 
was substituting for the absent preacher. That means that the pastor like me couldn't get there because of the snowstorm. So somebody like y'all just popped up and said, I got a Bible, I'll preach. And he wasn't ready, but he was going to do the best he could. His text was Isaiah 45, 22. And here's what it says. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For many months, this young teenager had been miserable and under deep conviction. But though he had been reared in church, both his father and grandfather being preachers, he did not have any assurance of salvation. The unprepared substitute minister did not have much to say, so he kept repeating the text. I love that. Sometimes the simplest passages and simplest messages are the best. As a pastor, can I just confess that we complicate things way too much? One of the things I loved about being a youth pastor was whenever I would let teenagers preach, um, you never quite knew what you were going to get. So I learned to tell them, if you feel like you're supposed to share, give me an idea of what you're going to say so I can be prepared to kind of know how to wrap it up at the end. And I had this girl, um, I was in, in, a, in a South Carolina town as the youth pastor, and she just felt like, she, like God wanted her to, to preach one Wednesday night. We had about, um, about 50 to 70 kids coming to that youth group. And so I was like, okay, just look, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of getting to know you. You're kind of fresh in the Lord. So just write out what you want to say. Let me look at it. And, and then we'll, you know, we'll kind of go from there. So she wrote it out. It was going to be great. And so she gave it to me. And I told her, hey, you know, we had the date picked out. So that Wednesday night, she gets up to preach. And here's what she, this is pretty much the whole sermon. She gets up and she looks at the, at the group and she says, um, listen, I had something I was going to talk about, and I told Paul what it was going to be, and he was like, that, was, that would be cool, but God told me he wants me to do something different. And so I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> oh Because I've been down that road. I mean, I, I could tell you a lot of stories that I've heard, like a lot of stories. Um, I hope that, okay, my, Wendy said no, so we'll just move on. Whew, man, and it's a good one too, y'all. <laughs> you have to talk to me afterwards. <laughs> it's a, anyway, but she was like, no. No, no. So I'm going to be a good husband. Let's <laughs> move on. But my, this, this girl got up and she said, you know, I, God's changed it. And here's what I think I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to read this verse. And so she opens up her Bible. And she, re- I don't remember what, what the verse was. But it was one of those verses that says stuff like all the really, really horrible things. Like, you know, people that are like idolaters, adulterers. Like all, that whole list of things. And then it says, and those who practice this will not enter the kingdom. I was, I was like on, over on the side going, oh God, where's this going? She read the verse, looked up and said, I don't really have anything to say about that, but God put it on my heart, so I guess y'all needed it. And then she sat down. And I watched 50 to 70 teenagers get up and head to the altar and repent of the things that she had read in that verse. Can I just submit that the gospel is really simple and that we complicate it. We try to add to it. We try to make you like it more. But the power is just in the word. And so here's this ill-prepared layman and he doesn't have his stuff ready. So all he does is keep repeating the text. He would say things like, a man need not go to college to learn to look, he shouted. Anyone can look. A child can look. And about that time, he saw the visitor sitting to one side, the young teenage boy. And he pointed at him and he said, young man, you look very miserable. Young man, look to Jesus. And that was the night that Charles Haddon Spurgeon was converted. Now, some of you don't know who Charles Haddon Spurgeon is or was. He's one of the greatest preachers this world has ever known. 
And he was the teenage boy who just happened to find his way into that place. And he looked to Jesus and was converted. The difference between perishing and living, between condemnation and salvation, is faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus could well have come into this world as a judge and destroyed every rebellious sinner. But in love, he came to this world as our Savior. And he died for us on the cross. He became the uplifted serpent. The serpent in Moses' day brought physical life to dying Jews. But Jesus gives eternal life to anyone who trusts him. He has salvation for the whole world. And this morning, I want to encourage you to look to the cross. Look to the cross and see the gift on the tree. And don't make it so complicated, because it's not. Our sin created the need for a Savior. And God, in His mercy, sent one. I like just simple visual things right and 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 these glasses these just simply represent us and Jesus and and if we're honest like we look pretty good we feel pretty good like we're like you know I'm pretty perfect if we're honest that's how we feel and so we'll say things like you know I mean some people do a lot of bad things but I don't, I don't really do a ton of bad things. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that, that there's no one righteous, not even one. You know that James 2.10 actually says that, well, if you sin in any one part of the law, it's kind of like you've sinned in all of it. Romans 3.23 says that the wages of sin is death. 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift that He's given to us this Christmas, is eternal life. Do you know what it takes to get that? Well, you got to read the Bible through in a year. you got to give away 10% of your money. If you give a little bit more, He might love you more. It doesn't take any of that. All it takes is to look to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And when we receive Jesus and what he did in our hearts, what he did into our hearts, he comes in and though our sins were like scarlet, they become white as snow. Let it snow, y'all. The mercy of God takes away the sins of the world. And this morning, on this last Sunday before we celebrate the coming of Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to receive a mercy from God that will cleanse you, change you, and make you white as snow. Would you close your eyes and just respond to a couple of invitations? It's possible that you're here this morning and you're only here because it's Christmas and somebody invited you to come with you. And you've never really known the soul-cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you this morning to say yes to Jesus. To say yes to the cross. And listen, here's the kicker. You can't be healed of your sin. You can't be forgiven of your sin just because Jesus died. You've got to look to the cross. It's just like back in... Numbers, when all those snakes were going all around, think about this. There were people that were bitten by the snakes that died because they wouldn't look to the, to the pole. 
there are people in this room that we, we will perish forever because of our sin. Not because God's mean, but because we refuse to look to the cross. The gospel is simple. We need a Savior, and Jesus is the Savior. And if you've never made a decision to let Him be your Lord and your Savior, I want to ask you this morning to be bold and raise your hand and say, I want Jesus to be my Savior today. I want Him to be the gift that I open this Christmas. I want to receive Him. Anybody in this room, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. One more group and then we're going to pray. Christians, the beautiful thing about the cross is that the forgiveness that He found for us there is forgiveness for past, present, and future sins. You don't have to run to this altar every Sunday and get saved again. The reason that we feel like we have to get saved again is because that sin jacks up the relationship that we have with our Father. It makes us feel like we're distant from God. And if you're here this morning, can I just tell you this? One of the promises I love is that He continues to make my sins white as snow. He continues to do that. And so when that distance is there, I can close that gap simply by asking Him again, Father, wash me again in Your blood. Make me white as snow. Keep doing that transformation in my life. Sometimes you'll hear that called rededicating your life to Jesus. And that's a good thing. And if you're here this morning and you're a believer and you know there's distance between you and the Lord, that, that thing you're thinking about right now, that sin that you've tried to get away from that you, you don't have the power to stop, can I just boldly and at the same time graciously call you to stop managing that sin and look to the cross and let Him begin to wash you white as snow again in that area. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Christian, in the room, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to sing this song. We're going to wrap this whole morning up singing about how good of a father we have. How we didn't deserve anything that he did for us, but yet here we are, right? Here we are. And as, as I pray, if you raise your hand, would you pray with me? You don't have to pray out loud. Just know that what I'm praying right now is what you're praying and that God hears this prayer and He's answering it right now. Father, in Your name, Jesus, these that raise their hands, God, got to trust You for the first time or to, to, to renew that relationship that they already have with You. God, we recognize that sin is what keeps us distant from You. But what we've learned this morning, the beautiful simplicity of the Gospel is that sin does not keep You distant from us. You came. Here comes heaven, like this is the whole point. You came to us in our sin. And so, God, we look to the cross. We do not want to miss the gift of Jesus on the tree. We recognize that that is the greatest gift we could ever be given. And so we invite you right now, Lord, to wash our sins. And even though they were like scarlet, make them white as snow. We thank you that you are a good father, Lord. And as we stand to sing this, God, we want to give you the best praise for being a God who so loved the world that you gave. And you didn't barely give. You gave extravagantly through Jesus. And we thank you for it. In your name, Lord. Let's stand together and let's just sing this chorus and then I'll come back out and close us out in prayer. 
out of here okay but look at me really quick if you if you raise your hand we would love to either talk with you or be in touch with you and you'll decide how we do that if you want to talk with us we've got people at the next steps desk that can talk you through what to do after you receive Jesus Christ talk you through what to do after you rededicate your life if you want prayer I'm right here I'd love to pray with you if you are like I don't want to really talk to anybody right now we would love for you to take a connection card it's in the seat in front of you and just pull it out and fill it out and just check the box that says what you just did today and then we'll be in touch with you, okay? Just so we can stay in touch and walk with you. Listen, God's plan is not that we would look to the cross and receive Jesus and then walk by ourselves. Y'all know we're way more into community than that, right? He wants you walking with people in community. And so you letting us know what God's doing will help us with that, okay? I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna go and eat some lunch. Father, in your name, Jesus, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. God, forgive us for making it hard at times, but it is as simple as looking to the gift on the tree that you sent. And I thank you that this morning, so many in the room have done that. And so we rejoice with them, God, over what you're doing in their heart, that you're changing their destiny right here this morning, that, that the filth that we might have walked in with, we can walk out free because you've cleansed that, God, and made it white as snow. And so I pray, God, over the next few days as we celebrate Christmas, I'm saying, God, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, God. So much mercy is falling this year, and we thank you for it. In your name, Jesus, amen.